0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner.
1: Well, hello everybody, and welcome to Last First Date Radio. This is Sandy Weiner, and I am the founder of LastFirstDate.com. I am the dating and relationship and communication coach for women over 40 who want to finally attract and sustain a lasting, loving relationship. We have a fabulous show coming up for you today. I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Margot Brown about practical ways that you can improve your relationship and how to know when it's also time to just move on, because sometimes you can't fix the relationship that you have. Um, She has some great tips for you, and that's going to come up in just a moment. And I just want to say that as a dating coach, um, it's my mission to help women over 40 recognize the qualities of a good man and learn the relationship skills that it takes to make love last. Many people don't realize that there are skills involved. In having relationships work, Um, you have to nurture relationships, and some of those relationship skills, are better communication skills. Some of them are, as uh, Dr. Brown is going to share with us, um, knowing when to communicate, um, how much time can pass before you should let something go, um, some things like that. She has something called the 72-hour rule, which we're going to talk about in just a few moments. And Most women who come to me for support are amazing mothers. They're successful in the workforce. and. They have challenges in attracting and sustaining a relationship with a quality guy, and part of the reason that I have seen one of the mistakes that that I see come up over and over again is that there's a certain guardedness that happens over time and also a certain energy that these women often bring to dating, and it's the same energy that they brought to their workforce that helps them succeed at work. and. If you're bringing that competitive edge and that that kind of um, fighting right or wrong kind of energy, you may not even be realizing it, but you may be turning off the very same men that you want to attract. So um, mistakes like this can really sabotage your dating success, and I want you to have success. So what I've done is created a free guide to help you understand the top mistakes that midlife daters make and how you can turn them around to find love now. And this this guide is for men or women. Um, and I actually, once you get the guide, you're going to also get a tons of other free tips about the most common complaint that men make about dating at this age and the most common complaint that women have and the secret words that will change your dating life forever. So I would love for you to have a copy And all you have to do is go to lastfirstdate.com and sign up on my homepage because I want you to go on your last first date. Today's show is sponsored by audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you like, even in your car, when you're working out. Audiobooks are fabulous and Audible is one of the best. So you'll get a free book when you sign up for your 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash lastfirstdate. That's audibletrial.com forward slash lastfirstdate. And now I'd like to introduce our special guest for today. Her name is Dr. Margaret Brown. She is a licensed marriage family therapist, and she has counseled and helped thousands of people improve their relationships and save their marriages. She has written for the Family Psychologist and the American Journal of Family Therapy. And for the past year and a half, she's worked as Director of Psychological Health for Magellan Health Incorporated as a civilian contractor for the U.S. Army Reserve. She's also a member of the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapists and Employee Assistance Professional Association. That's a mouthful. Um, And so without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. Brown to the
0: show. Welcome. Well, thank, you. thank you. So, excuse my voice. Thank you very much, Sandy. This is really a great honor, and I love your show and I love the topics. And I'm your listeners are just as interested in listening to you as I am. And you brought oh, up some very you. important concepts. Yeah, you talked about right versus wrong and competitiveness. Those are so important. I always. I view that as barriers, and my goal is to give people tools that they can break down the barriers and feel connected because it's really about intimacy. And um, I always say, you know, intimacy begins with self. I know that sounds very clinical, but really it's getting in touch with your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own needs, your own wants. And when you can figure that out, then you turn to your partner and say, I'm thinking this, I'm feeling this, you know, how do you feel about what I just said, what do you think I just said, you know. Um, and asking for what you need, which is a huge risk. People aren't talking to each other. They're not asking for what they need. And when you ask, you may not get the answer you like, but nobody's going to know it unless you open your mouth and say it. So it's a huge oh journey God. in communication.
1: <laughs> so yeah. important. And uh, you bring up so many important points. And I I, um, I coach women who are dating, again, usually after divorce, and... Um, Often they are also sort of, um, I get a lot of introverted women, um, women who were not used to really bringing their whole self out, especially in the beginning, like they're a little bit shy about, about really showing up and saying what they want and need because it feels hard and it feels vulnerable. And yeah. so, one of the things I guide them to do is to to bring things up. And so, I'm, I'll give you an example. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. But um, there's a woman who's um, she met a man who um, she met through friends, and now they're going to go on a cycling um, trip where they're staying in separate hotel rooms, but they're they're going to be together for three days, um, which is pretty intense at the very beginning of figuring out if they even want to, you know, be in a relationship. They're at that very early stage. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I suggested, she she had a lot of fears about what could happen and, oh, my God, and, well, you know, what happens if I need some space. And I said it would be really important to bring up sort of your your own operating manual. I, I believe that people have, like, how do I operate best and how to communicate <laughs> that. Yeah. So um, I said, you know, you're an introvert, so I think it would be really important for you, before you even get started, to just have this conversation of like, let's talk about, we're going to spend three days together, we barely know each other, and, um, you know, let's talk about some things that might come up that, you know, might might be a problem for us. So, um, you know, is that okay with you? And then for her to say, you know, sometimes I get overwhelmed when I'm with someone for too long a period of time, so I may need some downtime, um, you know, might need to take an hour to go read, or two hours, or whatever it is that she needs. But to just put mm-hmm. it on the table, like, yes. how how many people don't do that? So um, everybody. What would you say? <laughs> any any right? So any suggestions yeah. that you might have for people who are just meeting, um, like how to make it easier to communicate
0: things like that? You know, sometimes it's when you're first meeting each other, and uh, for those that are divorced. They know that it, oftentimes in a long relationship uh, it can be the same issue. Um, it's like we stop showing up. Um, but most definitely, it could even start off with something like, you know, this is really hard for me to say. I feel kind of awkward, but I need to tell you, blah blah blah. So it's really uh-huh. kind of processing it out loud as you as you say it. And sometimes in therapy, I'd have a couple, and he'd say, well, oh, 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 and I'd say just. Just blurted out. He goes, I'm afraid I'm going to say it wrong. I say, you know what? Say it however it comes out, and I'll coach you. To, we'll fix it up later. But she, knew, she needs to hear it. She deserves to hear it. What is your truth? And so it's really a journey and finding that voice. And um, most importantly, what you're really speaking to, from my perspective, is trust trusting yourself you know what didn't go right you know how you co-contributed to a relationship because it always takes two and it didn't you know fall out the way you wanted it to and this is a chance to really not repeat those patterns and certainly mm-hmm. if you're introverted you're going to re- you're going to continue to be introverted but it's about learning these tools as you're discussing little tiny um Uh, adjustments to being introverted you can even say I'm really kind of introverted and this is going to be a big deal for me and I thought maybe we should talk before we go on this trip and that is so important you'd be amazed you talk to couples and they didn't talk before they had the baby they didn't talk before Uh they moved out of state and he said yes to the VP job but didn't discuss it with her I mean there's all these problems and so much of it is we want to be included and so when you say I feel you know awkward or nervous you, I bet you anything the guy is feeling awkward and nervous, too, and so grateful that you have a powerful, beautiful voice to speak your truth. And what it'll do is calm both of you very quickly because he'll feel connected to you because you're both on the same page emotionally. He might be displaying it differently, but believe me, he's on the same page.
1: I love that, and I love just the vulnerability of saying, this is hard for me, or I feel awkward, yes. because right away you put somebody else at ease, because you're not trying to appear braver than you are. I yes. think this, is, this was like one of my biggest issues, was I thought I had to have it all together all the time, and I prevented many things from happening in my life because I didn't want to get them wrong and I think this is common. Um yeah, you know, that absolutely. need to be perfect at everything and not yeah. to show that we actually make mistakes and Absolutely. But yeah, but when you share that that it's not easy, you give the other person permission to also be vulnerable and and say that it's not easy for them. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's just a great way to build trust in the other yeah. in each other. Um, yes. But another thing is like this is what sort of to back up for a minute it's um you talk about how it's essential to clarify your own needs first your own needs yes. wants and desires and a lot of people have no clue and i find that um like one of the first things that i that i studied was communication skills when i became a, a dating coach and mm-hmm. um and really identifying what's alive for you most people will say things like um you know, when I say, "How do you feel about that?" they'll say, um, "I, I feel that he did something wrong." That's yeah. it's not a feeling; it's, a, it's, yeah. it's, it's an observation. So, um, so how how can you suggest that people start getting in touch with their own feelings, wants, and needs?
0: Oh, that's great, um, because it is a journey and discovery, um, and it doesn't have to be overwhelming or a big thing. It could be five minutes a day. It could be sitting on the couch like I did many decades ago and saying, you know, if I'm going to talk to people, I better walk the talk. And sitting there for 20 minutes in silence and just trying to identify what were my thoughts, you know, what's chattering between my ears? How am I feeling today? You know, am I hungry? Am I tired? Is my knee hurting? You know, what's going on for me physically, emotionally, uh, in my thoughts? And really, then once you get familiar with kind of doing this, just it just could be a few minutes a day, it could be a walk around the park by yourself, listening to, you know, how you're processing something, it could be sitting quietly somewhere and doing it. Uh, But ultimately, then it's about identifying, you know, what your values are. And again, these are big ticket items, uh, but probably pretty uh, easily identifiable, you know, it's uh, do you believe in education? Do you love to travel? Do you like to socialize? Or are you introverted? You like so you like selectively social? You know, you like to pick and choose, and mostly you like to be alone and kind of re, re-engineer yourself, re-energize yourself, and then reach out. You know, what are your likes and dislikes? You know, you love going to cocktail parties. You'd rather read a book in front of the fireplace with your partner. You know, knowing what... Um, your values are in terms of what really stimulates you uh, intellectually and, men- and emotionally and spiritually and physically. Uh, really understanding that part of yourself, and it doesn't have to be all in five minutes, but but learning to be quiet and learning to listen to yourself. I know we hear this a lot, but what does that mean? It just means be quiet and listen for five minutes, and maybe in a couple of weeks you'll be listening for ten minutes, or maybe you'll be taking a walk for twenty, and when you start understanding, you know, what? I, if I had one thing to change from that marriage, what I'd really like is not about the person you choose, maybe, but what would you change about yourself? I'd tell him that I really do like this, and I'm going to stick to doing that because it's really, really important to me. Or I've always wanted to take art lessons, and I was disappointed that I didn't pursue that. Whatever. It's kind of like being your own best friend and then communicating that to your partner. Believe me, it's the best um It's the best thing you could do because you're doing it for yourself, which is not selfishness. That's self-filling. It actually helps your partner understand more about who you are and where you're coming from. And you're modeling for them that, hey, this is me, a woman, and I'm showing up, so pay attention. And believe me, I'm not trying to be drastic, but if it was a friend-friend or it's a boyfriend or a lover or whatever, if they're not willing to negotiate with you on things that you like or to give you that respect maybe you need maybe that's very telling in itself maybe this is a mm-hmm. huge lesson for you as to is this someone you want to choose to be in your life
1: yeah i love that um that clarity that you just described because it is so important to be your own best friend to be to love yourself first and this is this is the tenet about, upon which i think relationships need to be built that you come yeah. from that place of self-love and self-care, and, and like you said, you model it. Um, and, and I can tell you that just as a person who really lost myself in my marriage, um, that, that my whole process of rebuilding had to start with me, and my kids showed me so much more respect after my divorce because I had clear boundaries because I took care of myself because I showed them that I could build a business from nothing into something. Um these are all ways that we model for for the people around us that we care about ourselves so that they can care for themselves and I think that's the piece that people don't realize that um it's actually a very positive thing for everybody. Well um, said. Uh, we well so, it's uncomfortable yeah.
0: for people that don't set boundaries but what you just described is actually very healing. Very healing. I mean, think of the mm-hmm. the your children. Think of their saying, "There's my strong, powerful mother. You know, she really stepped up, and I'll never forget how she took care of us. And there was more joy in all of our lives. And you know, it was really a good thing. It was a win-win, positive. I still love my dad. I still see my dad, but wow, my mother is mm-hmm. like this blossoming person in my life, and I so respect her as well as love her. It's a really great story. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, thank
1: you. <laughs> um and it, it was of course was my biggest fear in in breaking the marriage up was what will happen to my children i think that is something that people struggle with and they often stay in these toxic or stale relationships because of that fear and so you know my story illustrates that when you take care of your needs and you find your voice and you find who you are you're actually um showing your children how to be better people and and the results will usually be a tenfold better than they were um when yeah. you were in a bad marriage because you're yeah. in a bad marriage you're you're modeling something that you don't want them to emulate. So right. um so let's talk about the seventy two hour rule. Um I found that to be really interesting and why is it so important in a relationship?
0: Thank you so much. It's actually a two pronged approach and a tool that I created for couples over a decade and a half ago. And it's called the seventy two hour rule uh because um you know we're all gonna have arguments and discussions but it's learning how to do that as well as um making it more efficient and it's the two pronged approach is language and time. So the first part is language and the context of here and now. So I get a couple and he'd turn to her in a kind of a very parental way and say, not kind of, very much so If I've told you once, I've told you 19,000 times, and I'd say, stop, you know. First of Mm -hmm. all, it's very parental the way you're speaking to her. She's your partner, not your kid. And number two, um, you're referring to 19,000 other times. That does not matter. Bring it back to what's happening right now on the couch. Turn to each other and tell her what you're thinking and feeling now. And it took a minute, but he finally got it. And the reason that's potent is because when you bring it right into this moment, And I tell you, I'm thinking this and I'm feeling this. Oh, my gosh, that's that vulnerability you spoke about. I'm opening myself to my partner and describing my inner workings, so to speak, of what's going on inside me about us. And that's intimacy. And um, the second part is that time. It's literally 72 hours. And um, I had uh, one television program say, so you're saying that after an affair, you know, get over it in 72 hours. And it's like, well, no, I really didn't say that. You know, th- the goal <laughs> is if, you know, if 72 hours ago, whatever that might be, I don't even know what today is, Tuesday. Well, I'm on the West Coast, so it's noon. So let's just say it was Sunday morning and my husband did something that upset me. Um, I could stew in it. Uh, but but ultimately, if it's really that much of a bother for me, I need to say something and get it out. Um, if, if, if not, then I need to let it go. So it's not about I'm not going to say anything within 72 hours, but I'm still stewing on it. If you cannot truly let it float away and release it, then you need to bring it up. And oftentimes in my life, you bring it up and then you feel ridiculous, like, oh, wow, how silly was that? But it's a good thing that I got it up. So the 72 hours rule is really about keeping it current and keeping it fresh. It's um, what I used to tell couples is not adding to the dust underneath the carpet because pretty soon the carpet has this big mound And then you're looking over the big hump of the carpet. It's almost as big as where I'm standing and saying, how's the weather over there? I mean, there's a big wall between us because we keep stuffing things and stuffing things. So by keeping it fresh, you learn to manage it and let it go. Or you bring it up and say, you know, Sunday morning when you did that, I was really kind of hurt at the time. But the more I think about it, I'm kind of agitated and I need to tell you. And then you can have a dialogue. Um, because there's nothing worse than, and I've had so many couples, you know, two months ago, and I had one couple 22 years ago. They used the whole hour to to scream and yell about 22 hours ago. I stopped that. And, you know, so it was such a blame game. So really the 72-hour rules allows you – Uh, to keep it current. With respect to affairs, I will just say that because I mentioned it, um, Mm -hmm. you would never use that, like, get over it in 72 hours. The couple has to move past the crisis point and then be able to, when they're on the healing end in terms of starting to forgive each other, maybe going to therapy, individual or couples, they're starting to talk, they know the details of the affair, they're making efforts to move forward, then they can start implementing the 72-hour rule to learn how to manage the now, and once you do that, every couple I've worked with is able to take it to a much deeper level. And when you've managed that and you don't have arguments because you are in the here and the now, you are checking in with each other, you're keeping everything's, you know, current then they're able to talk about that thing that happened five years ago that they've never spoken about, and there's lots of resentment and hurt. And so they talk about, you know when that happened, I felt this way, and it feels kind of weird talking to you now, but I feel so glad that we're talking about it, and I thank you for not getting angry, because I'm I'm really glad that we're speaking about it out loud, and that is a beautiful journey towards healing. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't cover that whole topic in in 5 minutes, but it is um <laughs> but I'm glad you brought it up because I think that um there are couples who heal from infidelity and infidelity is is almost never about just the partner that they've cheated with. It's it's indicative of of other issues and and a disconnect and lack of communication and not feeling that they are understood and and loved for who they are and i mean it's it's complicated yeah. um and and it's about a lack of trust a loss of trust and a and a breach of trust and um you have to heal that so i think you know learning to let go um of of holding on and and not forgiving um well it's it's toxic for anybody whether or not you move on from the relationship. But when you, when you can't let go, and I, I recently had a guest on who talked about how her aunt never, ever forgave her ex-husband to her dying day. She was in her 90s, and she got divorced, I think, in her 30s or something. And she said, I am never going to forgive him, and I'm going to take it with me to my dying day. Well, yeah. that killed her. I mean, that yeah. was bad for her. And so, okay. yeah, I think we, we really need to see what the toll is that it takes on us. Um, but also that history thing is is so bad and any any conversation you have bringing history mm-hmm. into it and and I'll say you know when you're talking to your children and you say things like you never, you never do this, you're so lazy you you know you never take out the garbage you any of those always never absolutely yes. um all those really bad ways of communicating um. Yes with anybody. And so when you get used to being more clear, more to the point, more timely, you're going to have better relationships with everybody in your life,
0: right? Well said. Well said. And you know, I think we're uh, socialized that uh we say you, you this, you that, and we think that saying I is a selfish thing. Oh, they're narcissists, you know, and those labels get thrown around. There is a thing called narcissism mm. for sure. Um, But long story short, um, I always used to put a big circle on a piece of paper and and put a big X through it or have the clients do that and say, don't start your sentences with you because it's very blaming. In fact, I had a colleague, she says that she taught her couples that when they started saying you, you, the argument had already begun. And I I totally Uh agree with that. And so the key is the pronoun I, but we think, oh, that's so selfish. I I don't deserve that. I shouldn't do that. It's like I think, I feel, I need, I want, I hope, I fear, anything with I. Um, Uh And, you know, so when this happens, I feel this, not, um, you know, embedded you like, when this happens, you do this and you make me feel this way. Nobody makes you feel any way. You choose that response. So it's owning mm-hmm. your part of it, but understanding that you can cope in a different way. And I know that sounds so academic, but long story short, is just continue to get in touch with what's going on for you and, and learn to or uh, start practicing. Practice in front of the bathroom mirror. I need this. I think this. I feel this. And having your partner say, what did you hear me say? That's called a check-in. And then they tell you what a joy it is to have you speak up for yourself and they had no idea you wanted that. And they might say, I'm more than happy to do that or I'm not going to do that. Or they might say, well, let me think about it. But at least they know what you're needing and wanting.
1: Mm. Well, so the I statements are really about taking responsibility and not blaming. I mean, it's, I think that yeah. that one of the grown-up things that we do, hopefully, when we reach this age, is that we assume responsibility for our share in whatever it is that happens. And so you know, that takes some maturity, and it also takes some ability to process and, and process your own emotions, like you said before, to sit with them and understand what it is that's going on for you because... Yeah. Otherwise you're just responding, you're reacting and yes. um and then that's you're right. disconnecting from the
0: person that you really want to that's connect right. with. That's right. And that's exactly um. the opposite of what we want.
1: And mm-hmm. if that takes
0: courage, exactly so. I I remember one couple the I said, So, you know, why are we here? Typical therapist, so why are we here today? And um and uh the long story short, he said, Well we're here because You know, I did, blah, blah, blah. And he just completely delineated, you know, his part of it. And I said, well, I was like really happy. I thought, oh, my God, this is wonderful because this guy is owning it. And I said, that's the first step. And they never even blamed each other in that session. She owned her part. He owned his part. We processed it and dissected it together. It was so productive. And and it's really not that hard of a thing to do. You just got to kind of suck it up and say it and say, This is what I did, and it was, you know, I acted poorly or I made a choice, and I want to talk about, you know, how I could have done it better or how I'm sorry I did it, and have that dialogue because it does take two to tango. I know that's an old slogan, Uh but it really is true.
1: It's true, and I think that also, that's a great illustration, and I think that also knowing what your intention is from the outset. So for some people, the intention is, I just want to get this off my chest. And that's yeah. really obvious. Like I recently had a conversation with one of my siblings, and he just wanted to get it off his chest. And I, I said to him right away, "Do you want to have a conversation about this? Because I'm not <laughs> getting that from you. Like I'm happy to dialogue with you, but but when you're mm-hmm. just saying it the way you did, it just didn't feel connecting. Um, yeah. And let's start let's start over. Very so. So let's, uh, we only have a few minutes left. I just want to um, talk about when, what kinds of signs um, can you talk about when it's time to actually end a relationship?
0: Well, you know, in the title, Kickstart Your Relationship Now, Move On or Move Out, and people say, well, what does that move on or move out? Well, move on is multidimensional. It could be that you're growing and changing. Maybe you're seeing a coach, maybe you're seeing a therapist, maybe you talk to your reverend, maybe you're reading self help books but you're doing a lot of growing, personal growth, and you're still in the relationship. And there's a a risk in that because as you grow and evolve and change, which we're all mandated to do from my perspective, um, you might be outgrowing this other person. And the biggest challenge is the love, the respect, and then hanging in there when they're not quite on the same page. So I... I do think patience a little bit is important, but I think so often we are so fear-driven and paralyzed, we stay in the relationship long when it's overdue. So to answer your question clearly, I would say moving on can be within yourself, and you might consciously make the choice, you know what, I'm still going to stay in this relationship, and that's a conscious choice, even though you have moved on, and hopefully you're developing other things that bring you joy. You go out to lunch with your girlfriends, you take a class at night, or whatever, It could also be moving out, and it could be that you're trying and this other person is saying it's your fault, it's your fault, and you're the one that needs to go to therapy. I'm not going to go to therapy. I'd rather get divorced than go to therapy. And guess what? They do get divorced. And so when someone's not willing to get on board with you and co-participate in the growth, healing, and forgiveness, I'm not saying you must. I'm saying it's possible that it's time to move out. But be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Yeah.
1: So important. Well, unfortunately, we have to wrap up. I really appreciate you being on the show, Dr. Margo Brown. Kickstart your relationship now. And um, people can can find you at 72hourrule.com. And um, thank you again for...
0: Yeah, excuse me. It's actually a new website, kickstartyourrelationshipnow.com.
1: Okay, good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was a great half hour and... um, and thank you all for listening in today, and I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Take care now. Thank
0: you, Sandy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.